Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Animal Files podcast, and happy spring. Spring started March 20th, and what does that mean? That means Easter is on its way. So we are going to talk about Easter today. So this is our special Easter episode, and we're going to talk about what lessons about Easter that our animals can teach us. So strap yourself in. This is going to be a fun one. (laughs) Well, I think it'll definitely be interesting and maybe a little bit eye-opening. So for some of us, when we celebrate Easter, it's got a very religious context to it. It's about recognizing and celebrating the crucifixion and the rise of Jesus Christ. But for others, it's not so much about the religious aspect of Easter, but it's more about family gatherings, Easter egg hunts, decorating eggs, eating chocolate, all of that kind of stuff. And it can be a mixture of both, of course. But did you know that this celebration, as well as our animals, can help us to learn and become more aware of our ways of being? I like that. (laughs) Animals are our greatest teachers. And we've talked about that over and over and over again. And when it comes to things like this, we can really learn a lot from them. Because I believe that that's really what they're here for. They're here to teach us. They're here to teach us compassion. They're here to teach us responsibility. They're here to just be a companion and help us navigate the world. Look at me getting all spiritual on you. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, you know, pet ownership is a spiritual thing. I really believe it is. I mean, my animals have always taught me some of the greatest lessons ever. Yeah. And I think the key thing is that we need to be open, pay attention and be willing to to see what they're trying to teach us yeah, and see if we want to potentially make any shifts in our mm-hmm. own lives as a result. Well, I can tell you one thing, your animals want you to make those shifts because <laughs> <laughs> that's why they came to you specifically. That cat you have, that dog you have, that horse you have, they chose you. <laughs> End of story. So we're going to share with you some of the aspects that might come from the Easter story. And most of us are familiar with the Easter story, even if we aren't particularly religious, we at Mm -hmm. least have a general idea of what the story is. But we're also going to share with you how our pets can show us different ways of being and how we can include them in the whole Easter celebration. So the first thing, this comes from the Easter story, and I don't know if a lot of people have really thought about it in this way, but One of the messages that can come from the Easter story is that it can represent having a cross to bear. Mm. In the story, Jesus carries a crucifixion cross. So what does it mean to have a cross to bear? It means that you might be holding on to something or making choices in your life that is not necessarily beneficial for you. For example, you could be carrying excess weight You could be in a toxic relationship or job. You could have an addiction or a habit of some sort. 
or just generally making choices that are unhealthy or not serving you. And only you know whether this is the case for you. Most of us have something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I got a bunch. Sometimes my backpack gets so heavy and I just have to sit there (laughs) and figure out how to remove one of the boulders. You know, (laughs) I think I'm going to whittle down my cross and make it a little bit lighter today. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But the only way that we can make any shifts in this area is first we have to become aware So that means we have to be honest with ourselves Mm. and that can be really tricky sometimes. (laughs) And outright hard. (laughs) (laughs) Once we become aware, it's not about beating yourself up and saying, oh, I'm a bad person or I shouldn't be doing this or I should be doing this or, you know, creating all of these stories in your mind. It's noticing Maybe you just need to observe it for a while because sometimes just observation in itself can cause something to dissolve on its own. Mm, Yes, yes. But there's other things that you could do that could end up supporting you. You could get some outside support, for example. Mm -hmm. I think this is something that makes us different from other animals because animals in general, I think... They don't really hold on to things that aren't serving them. No, at least I know cats don't. (laughs) Yeah, I think they're pretty good at removing themselves from whatever is not working. Yeah. Because in the wild, if they don't, you're not going to live very long. No. Animals seem to stay in the present. Like there's very few animals. And granted, there are those out there that have learned certain things from us. But for the most part, animals like to be in the present. If they do something wrong, if you chastise them 30 seconds later, they don't know why you're chastising them anymore. They've forgotten because they don't live in the past and they don't live in the future. Now, granted, fear could be a mixture of both of those things. So if you have a very fearful animal, it could be a little bit different. But for the most part, even in their fear, it's just about their immediate safety in that moment. So they're very much, they very much live in the present. Mm. I think one of the biggest lessons that we can learn from them. Oh, definitely. It's just to be in the present. Yeah. Us humans have a tendency to often live in the past or live in the future. We dwell on the past with our regrets, or maybe we really enjoyed something from the past and we wish something could be like that again, or we're comparing our current experience with what happened in the past, or we could be living in a place of fear where we're afraid that something's going to happen in the future or not be willing to have certain experiences in life because, oh, well, what if this happens? You know, so generally we have no control over the future and we, our past is gone. Yeah. So Basically, if we're living in the past or if we're living in the future, we're not living. Yeah. And one of the biggest lessons that we can learn from our pets, and if you notice, every animal on the planet does this, and that's making time to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about living in the moment and being present, being able to just play for the sake of playing. Your dog does it. Your cats do it. The squirrels outside in the yard do it. The birds do it. The horse does it. I mean, it doesn't really matter what animal it is. 
I mean, I'm sure even a snake plays. It's a natural way of being. And that's a really good lesson that they can teach us. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think one of the ways they teach us that is, you know, most of the time, if we've got a connection with our pets, is that we'll stop what we're doing and we'll watch them play. Maybe we'll engage with them. Maybe we'll just laugh at whatever it is they're doing. But it brings us back into that presence, that present moment. Yeah. So how can you include your pet? in different Easter activities in a safe way with encouraging play. You know, maybe you could have some kind of an Easter hunt for your pets, but you hide things for them that are safe. So you don't want to be hiding chocolates for them because chocolate obviously is not good. Those little plastic containers that the candies can come in can also wreak havoc. So you want to find something that when they find it, it's okay for them to yeah. find. Food comes to mind as yeah. long as it's good, healthy food and not too much food. Animals mm. like foraging. We've talked about foraging before many times. I mean, an Easter hunt, forage for a dog or a cat, that might be a fun thing. Mm-hmm. Animals also really appreciate the simple things. It doesn't take a lot to make them happy. Yeah, it, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, even with the games, it can be so simple. As long as it's connection with you, they're probably going to enjoy it. So just take some time out because really it doesn't take much. They're so simple in their joys. There's lots of ways to be able to bring those joyful, simple things into your animal's life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if they've got food and water, if they've got love and attention from you, if you walk them, play with them, provide them with enrichment activities, and you create a feeling of safety, comfort, and security for them, that's all they really need. They don't need all of these like you know, with us humans, it's like, we want to have all of our tech stuff and we want to have yeah. all of these. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing, the tech stuff. Human beings have a really difficult time in general, even just sitting, doing nothing for five minutes. Yeah. Especially now with all the technology that's out there. I know, but just be careful because we have so much technology. Sometimes those few moments can turn into a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking from experience, <laughs> especially lately, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, those little moments are really important. Mm -hmm. So this Easter celebration, this holiday, is there anything that you can find to appreciate that is already a part of your daily life? Ooh. And I'm going to make it a little bit more difficult. Let's say that all of your technology, all of your conveniences and all of that were stripped away from you. What would still remain in your life that you could appreciate? Mm. That's going to probably get you thinking for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm already thinking. I well, We just had snow here. Well, like the rest of the country has been having snow, but we haven't had any this month. And it was really cool. It, just looking out the window and seeing snow on the ground. That's all I needed. It just put a, you know, a word, my brother said, a flutter in my heart for a moment. Didn't need anything. It was just looking at the snow. Mm, nature can really provide that real connection. Yeah. We don't talk a lot about it on our podcast, but it's, we are all part of a, a collective. There is an individuality to a certain extent, but we are all, all part of a collective. And when we can see snow or look at a tree or see a flower and 
we can just see it and appreciate it without attaching any labels or descriptions or mental chatter together with it, then we really have that connection. Yeah, completely. For some of us, it might only last for two seconds, but. (laughs) (laughs) But that's two seconds of joy. (laughs) That's two seconds of joy you didn't have before. (laughs) Yeah. And you'll know you'll have that connection when you feel that sense of peace. Yeah. I can tell you, you know, bringing it back to the animals. One of the things my cat loves to do is she loves to sit in the window for hours and just watch the world go by. And I have kind of adopted that a little bit. So like when she's sitting in the window, sometimes she actually wants me to sit in the window with her. Uh, Obviously I can't fit in the window. So I just sit outside the window and I look out and we just sit there and we just watch everything. We watch the cars go by. We watch the leaves move in the trees. We watch everything. And it's such that simple joy that, I mean, she literally will do this for hours a day because it brings her so much joy. So Being able to share that with her allows me to remember those simple things. You know, it's okay to just watch the wind blow through the leaves. It's okay. Mm. Yeah, we're such a busy society that we feel guilty if we stop and just take in the moment. Yeah. Just sit quietly for a couple of minutes. Society has put this label on it of being lazy. You're not doing something. You're being lazy. That's something I think that is important for people to let go. Yeah, absolutely. We're human beings. We're not human doings. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So being able to be present and in the moment is a great way for us to feel more balanced as human beings and obviously more balanced in the relationship with the animal because the animal gets to share things with you. Like what I said before with Maisie and and I is sitting in the window and just watching the day go by. That builds a connection. But there's other ways that we can help our pets feel more balanced. And we're just going to go into a couple of those right now. So what are some of the ways that we can help our animals feel more balanced during this time? Well, one of the things is we can provide them with healthy and balanced nutrition because that's going to help them to feel physically at their best as well as mentally at their best. Because if you're not getting proper nutrition, then the body and the mind will slowly start to deteriorate. Yeah. And it probably won't function at the high level either. Right. Giving them the appropriate amount of exercise that they need. Different animals are going to need different levels of exercise. A working dog is going to need a huge amount of exercise compared to another type of dog that might have a very laid back kind of nature and might enjoy being on the couch more than going for a walk. You know, they might be good for like 10 or 15 minutes and they're like, okay, I'm good. Let's go back on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Fresh air is always good. Now this, I know can be a debate for cats because People will say, oh, if you've got an indoor cat, then they're not getting any fresh air. Open a freaking window. You need it too. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You need the fresh air. Open a window. Let them sit in the window. Get the fresh air. Now that can be difficult in climates where it gets cold because here we can get to minus 30. Yeah. I'm not going to open the window when it's minus 30. (laughs) No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. (laughs) But I also wouldn't really be taking my dog or cat out in minus 30 other than enough for the dog enough to do their business. And that would be it because a lot of dogs are not going to 
tolerate those cold temperatures for very long. Yeah. I use the thermometer as my gauge because my cat is feeling the cumulus virus. I don't want her to be exposed to the cold, cold weather. So if it's like 40 degrees Fahrenheit or above, that's completely fine to open the window. But if it's colder than that, I either won't open the window or if she really wants to be the window, which hasn't really happened in a long time since her brother passed, but I will put a sweater on her. So mm-hmm. if it's between 30 degrees Fahrenheit and 40 degrees Fahrenheit or thir- actually 32, 33 and 40, I will open the window for her for a little while and put a sweater on her, you know, if she wants to be in the window. But 40 degrees is pretty much my limit. I won't open mm-hmm. the window until it's 40 degrees. That's pretty cold for a lot of us humans. But if it's only open for, say, like an hour, it's nice to get that cool air into the house anyway to kind of cleanse your own environmental air. And they can Mm. get the enrichment they want. They can get the fresh air that they need. Yeah. It's compromise. Basically what it is, just compromise. And that's another, that's another lesson that our animals can teach us is compromise because Mm -hmm. our animals compromise for us all of the time, all of the time. If you're not feeling up to it, they'll be like, okay, I still love you. Even though they want to go out and play, they compromise for us all the time. So being able to make that compromise and, and learning to compromise with them is, is pretty important. I think. Mm. And I think that moves into our next point, which is socialization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Socialization is important for animals too, because if their humans are the only people they interact with, and maybe there's no other animals in the home, then if they get put in a situation where other people come into the home or they get taken to another location where there might be other people or animals, they're not going to know how to engage with them. There could be a lot of fear. They could potentially react aggressively, which is usually based on the fear. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, when we can help to socialize them when they are young or as soon as we get them, because sometimes we might not bring an animal into our life until they're older. And it can be more challenging when they're older, but it's still possible if we work with them, we can help them to become more socialized so that they don't feel so afraid or so protective when they get put into those situations. Yeah. But that also involves proper training as well, because then socialization is one part of it, but they also need to be able to respond to your cues. And that's like mental engagement. Get them to think, get them to like, you know, just, okay. Oh, I'm going to do. Okay. Okay. Got it. You know, (laughs) I mean, it's literally what their brain's doing when you're trying to train them Mm -hmm. and that helps them to, to really get their brains working. So if you want to really get your dog's mind engaged, training is very training and agility, but of course I think agility training is obviously training, but that's going to give them the problem solving skills that they need to be a full rounded animal, Mm -hmm. which that's all type of enrichment. And Mm -hmm. enrichment can be very fun for them. Absolutely. There's that joy again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, think about when you are learning something and it's something you're choosing to learn, not something you're being forced to learn, something you're choosing to learn because you have an interest in it. That's fun for you, right? So fun can be involving mental engagement or learning something, but it can also be just your general fun where you're just playing with them, throwing a stick or a ball or something or tug of war or whatever (laughs) you want to play with them. These are all things that can help them to feel more balanced. And 
they'll also find ways to try to help improve their balance as well. Like for example, with a border collie, if we aren't providing them with the mental and physical enrichment that they need, they're going to try to find that balance for themselves by creating their own job, which could involve possibly hurting your children, not hurting, hurting, H-E-R-D-I-N-G, because that's what they were trained to do. They were bred to herd sheep. So if they don't have sheep to herd and they don't have the mental and physical enrichment, then they might do that to end up trying to create their own balance. Your kids will turn into sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Or ducks. I've seen border collies hurting ducks too. But like ducks as well. (laughs) That's what your kids will turn into sheep. That's what it is. At least in the dog's brain. Well that might be fun. I don't know. Well, that might be really effective if you have like a large group of kids that you have to be in control of. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can make a game out of it too. I mean, heck, I just had the, I just had a picture of like these little kids all playing with the dog and they're wearing like sheep heads or sheep hats and they're running around. The dog is like, you know, it's like you can make a game out of their instinctual nature and what they've been bred to do and just have fun with it. Because they don't hurt the animal. I mean, like they, they barely even touch the animals that they hurt. So it's just like, you know, you just like, hey, have all the kids run over the yard and let the dogs go hurting them. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I just saw the picture in my head. It looked fun. So <laughs> that's a good way to bring balance to your border colleagues. I don't know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we want to bring balance for our pets, but what about ourselves? What do you do to help you feel more balanced or are you, do you feel balanced? (laughs) And I don't want to say unbalanced because that tends to be interpreted as being mentally unstable. So that's not where I'm going with that. (laughs) We all need balance. We all need balance. If you're inside so much, you need to go outside on occasion to find balance. And vice versa, if you're outside so much, you're going to need that time to kind of be indoors and do nothing. You know, like it's just, it's just good to have balance. Yeah. And if you are feeling unsure about that too, or, or any of these things that we're talking about, feel free to reach out to us. We can offer some suggestions for you that you can test out and see if they work for you or not. Yeah. Or you can just take your kids and put blame ears on them. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck on that idea. I, the picture just is in my head. It just keeps, I just keep seeing these kids running all over the, the yard, having a great old time with their dogs. So I, I'm sorry. I'm stuck in the visual. It looks a lot of fun. That's what it looks mm. like a lot of fun. That's why it's in my head. I'm like, Ooh, that might be a good game. Do I want a border collie now? No, it's just, I digress. I digress. <laughs> so you can you can look at seeing how you could make this Easter holiday a time for your own re-energizing and rebalancing. I think there's a lot of people during this time that don't take that time because they're focused on, oh, well, how can I make everybody else happy? Yeah. And they're stressing themselves out with trying to make the perfect meal and having the perfect get together and the perfect activities and all of these different things. Yeah. And here in the Northern Hemisphere, Easter is right after the first of spring. 
So what is spring about? Spring is about renewal. Spring is about refreshing. Mm -hmm. Spring is about rebirth. Mm -hmm. And we can bring all of those things into our Easter celebrations and come back to that energy. Like, okay, it's spring. Things are, it's time to grow things. It's time to shake off the chills of the winter and move forward towards the warmer weather. Mm -hmm. Perfect time. Hmm. Now, Easter is also a really good time to look at our grudges, mm. our resentments, our judgments, and our regrets. Talk about rebirth. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Growth and rebirth. Take a look at those things. <laughs> it's a perfect time. It really is. Many of you might feel justified in the grudges that you hold or the resentments that you have or the judgments that you have. But guess what? It's only hurting you. Yep. Another great lesson our animals can teach us. Mm -hmm. It's a time where we can learn to let go and forgive. Now, I know that idea of forgiveness can cause people to really dig their heels in. <laughs> I'm not going to forgive that person. They did such a terrible thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. How good do you feel after that? Probably not very good. No. The thing is with forgiveness, though, is it's not about saying that what the other person did was okay. You know, it's not letting them off the hook. And forgiveness is not even always necessarily about somebody else doing something that was quote unquote bad. We may have just perceived it that way. Mm -hmm. And when we perceive something that way, it could be a trigger that we have from something in the past. Yeah. So that's something to look at as well. But forgiveness is simply about learning to let go. And I know it's not easy. It's not as simple as like, okay, I'm going to forgive that person. Yeah. It does take inner work to do that. And we have to remember forgiveness is not about the other person or the other thing or the topic. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness mm -hmm. is about how you can just let yourself go and just let it not bother you anymore. You don't have to forget, but nope. forgiveness is all about your emotional state. If you can mm -hmm. forgive you can release yourself from that bind because mm. having those grudges, those resentments, those judgments, all that stuff, those are binds. Those are things that hold you back. And forgiveness is the tool that we as humans use to break those binds. It's not about the other person. It's not about the thing. It's not about your boss at work. It's not about the car accident that happened that changed things. It, it doesn't, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about how you move forward from here. Again, mm -hmm. bringing yourself back to the present. How do I want to move from here? Do I want to hang on to these binds and let it eat me alive? Or do I want to let them go and move forward and be more like my dog? <laughs> be mm -hmm. more like my cat. Mm -hmm. Because animals don't have these things. They just don't. Nope. They have fears. But they don't have grudges. They don't have judgments. They don't have regrets. They don't have any of that stuff. All of those things are man-made. Mm. So that's, again, another huge lesson that our animals can teach you during this time of rebirth and renewal. Mm -hmm. And I just want to emphasize the aspect of regrets. All of the other ones are emotions that come up based on other people. Regrets is something in ourselves where we're choosing to not forgive ourselves mm, for something. Yep. And in the Buddhism philosophy, not forgiving someone else and not forgiving ourselves is like choosing to drink poison and hoping to harm 
the other person. Yep. But in reality, we're only harming ourselves. Absolutely. Thank you, Buddha, for that little nugget of knowledge, because that (laughs) is the truth. And I think this is also a really key lesson that we can get from our animals. Enjoy the journey. Mm, I like that. We're so focused on the destination. You know, how can I achieve this? When can I acquire this? Oh, you know, I want to get this degree or I want to get this house or it's like always focusing on the next thing. And we have a lot of difficult time, it seems, to be able to appreciate, again, the present moment and Mm -hmm. (laughs) just the experiences that we are getting along the way. Yep. Animals, they might anticipate an activity briefly, like, okay, you are holding a leash And they're like, oh, I'm going to get to go for a walk. And they get excited. But once the walk is over, they're not sitting there lying, sitting there, lying there or whatever for the next time they get to go for a walk. They only have that moment when they're like realizing, oh, well, this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to get really, really excited about it. Yeah. And then once the walk is over, they're just as happy to sit on the couch with you. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Present moment. Present moment. So is it possible for you to enjoy each individual moment during your Easter celebration without getting caught up in how perfect the meal is, how good a host you are or will be, how well you decorated, how much work there might be after the celebration, and just be there and enjoy the moment. Well, hopefully after this podcast, you'll be have a little bit more tools to do that. Mm-hmm. But just try it. Just try it. And try Enjoy. Try not to be triggered by, you know, if somebody says something that you don't agree with, or if the ham doesn't come out as perfectly as you want, or just enjoy that you have your family with you, or enjoy that you were able to cook this ham for your family. Or, and if you don't have any celebrations, just enjoy the moment for what it is, the rebirth the renewal and just be Mm. if you don't have any celebrations planned and you have an animal do what they want to do for a day see how that Mm -hmm. makes you feel might be a good little exercise for both of you oh yeah you know we'd love to hear if you decide that you want to test out any of these things that we've been talking about we'd love to hear from you and see what kind of impact it had Did it shift anything for you? Did it help you to feel a little bit different at all? Would you be willing to try something else on the next holiday or or some other time in your life? Mm -hmm. So we've got a few more lessons. I don't know if if lessons is the, I guess they are, I guess they're lessons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But just things that we can choose to listen and be open to what we have a few more of those that we are going to go over when we come back from our little break here. And after we talk about those few little things, because these are important. So we really want you to get these things. And again, our animals can teach us so much. And if we choose to accept them, I promise you, your life will be better. But after we talk about these things, we're also going to go into, you know, our staple, Every holiday, we have to talk about some of the safety things that we have to keep in mind when we are doing these celebrations. So we're going to dip into that as well. So you're going to want to come back, stick around, and we'll see you in a bit. 
Hi everyone, we hope you've been enjoying season three. It's been a great couple of years so far. Moraine and I just want to take a moment and thank you all for joining us on this journey and listening each and every week. We've got lots planned for you this season, great interviews, great topics, and we're even building you a home on YouTube. If you want to help us out and be the first in line, just head to YouTube, look for the Animal Files podcast and hit that subscribe button. Or you can just head to the website, www.theanimalfilespodcast.com. Calm. Now that that's out of the way, let's get back to the conversation. Welcome back. You're listening to the Animal Files podcast, and we are talking about the lessons that we can learn from our animals this Easter. The first half was a good one. So hopefully, hopefully you took notes. We're going to talk about a few other little things that we can learn from our animals um, based on basically the Easter story. We all know this story, whether you're religious or not. We all know the basics. And then after that, we're going to just tackle some of the safety things because, you know, that is our way. We got to do it. So let's start with (laughs) (laughs) it's a thing. The more we tell you, the more you learn it, the more your animals are safer. So it's all good. All right. So what are some of the other things that we can learn? Well, another thing that the Easter story teaches us is about overcoming obstacles and challenges in connection with the resurrection. Now, pets are really good at showing us how they overcome obstacles and challenges. They are usually able to let go of challenges, overcome challenges that have occurred in their past, or finding ways to get past various obstacles. So, you know, like one of the things that they could do is jumping a fence. (laughs) Could be an obstacle for them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of a painful obstacle for our humans. (laughs) Oh, crap. The dog jumped over the fence again. (laughs) Right. Actually, there was a a good video that I think really demonstrates this. It was, I believe it was of a honey badger. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the reason why it was being kept in this enclosure. But no matter what the caretaker did to try to prevent this badger from getting out, it always found a way out. (laughs) Sounds like a feline mentality because I don't know too many cats are going to give up. (laughs) Dogs might give up just because they're like, oh, wait, my human might be mad at me. Okay, Uh, maybe I'll try tomorrow. But but a cat, they're just going to go and go and go and go and go until they get it. (laughs) I like that honey badger's sense of tenacity. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, tenacity can get you in trouble, but it can also be beneficial because for some of us, we can get into this stuckness. We get something put in front of us and we're like, oh, now I can't do what I was going to do. Okay. I guess I have to give up now. And we don't look further. It's like, okay, can I go around it? Can I go over top of it? Can I go underneath it? And we don't open ourselves up to other possibilities. Mm -hmm. Maybe when this obstacle comes in our way, it's not to stop us from doing what we're doing, but to get us to open our our eyes, open our mind and see how we can look at this differently. Maybe it's not supposed to look 
exactly how we think it's supposed to look. It's kind of like that phrase, you can't see the forest for the trees. Mm. And all mm -hmm. you have to do is move around the tree mm. and see that you have an entire forest in front of you. Mm -hmm. That's what I kind of had a picture in my head of a person looking up at this big giant tree and thinking that everything is blocked when all they had to do was just move to the right a little bit and get around the tree. Mm -hmm. That's a good example. Yeah. I think that goes into overcoming our traumas too, mm. you know, for both humans and dogs, you know, like dogs and cats, they can be traumatized. And even though they might have the residual fear, because that's doesn't go away until it's compassionately brought out of them to trust again. Mm -hmm. But they're not going to sit there and look back at saying, oh, my life before here was so horrible. I don't know how I made it through. No, they don't think that way. They probably don't even remember anything other than the emotion. Mm -hmm. And then with the help of us, they can overcome that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think both for them and for humans, it's the memory may or may not, well, the animals may not have the memories, but with humans, we may have the memories that stay, mm -hmm. but in some cases, humans will not have the memories either, but they'll have the trigger. Yeah. So then something happens in their life or something happens in your life and suddenly you are like explosively angry or you start just crying uncontrollably and you don't maybe really understand why you are having such a strong reaction to yeah. something. And the story is not, I believe that the story is not really all that important. It's honoring the emotions that are coming up, honoring the experience that you're having and giving yourself the opportunity to process it. Yeah. I think that's what makes animals different than humans because animals can process things much quicker mm -hmm. because they live in the present moment so much that if something happens, they get triggered. You know, I mean, I don't know about you guys out there, but I know when, when my cat gets scared because she's a pandemic cat. So she has a lot of fear when her quote unquote house bubble is breached. And I, I kind of let her go through her own process. But for the most part, especially as she gets older, her process is getting quicker and quicker and quicker. So she can be triggered and be fearful and run behind the couch. But as long as you just hold space for her, she'll be out in five minutes. Like how mm -hmm. many humans can do that? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, our society seems to have embraced this victim mentality. Yeah. And there's a lot of focus on blame and retaliation and all of these kinds of things with this idea of, oh, if I can remain angry at this other person, or if I can get back to them, or if I can see them getting punished some way, then that's going to make whatever happened better. But it doesn't change anything. No, it just puts more points in your karma bank. <laughs> 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 and maybe not the points that you want. <laughs> so again, learning from your animals to so just overcome it, let go, forgive, and find the simple joy in life. Mm. Look at that. I brought it all back to the beginning of the half. <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> I brought it all back to joy. It all goes down to joy. It really does. In my brain, mm. in my brain, 
it all goes back to that that joy that that perfect pure joy that we find in every moment <laughs> you can't have that joy if you're trying to be petty and trying to get vindictive so learn from your animals because they let things go mm -hmm. even an animal who is actively being abused will go back to the person abusing them if that person is going to give them food they may still have the fear but they're still going to go back to them because that's mm -hmm. just how they are. They can process things quickly and do what they need to do for survival, which I think is a good trait that we can all take. I mean, yes, we need to survive. How do you survive? You survive by not biting the hand that feeds you, basically, mm -hmm. or not putting lots of negative karma points in your bank. I'm getting metaphoric and all that stuff. But, <laughs> but I mean, these are the thoughts that are going through my head as we're talking. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think that animals going back to the person who feeds them, there's also this aspect of loving unconditionally. Absolutely. Yeah. Another great lesson. Yeah. It's something that I think very important for humans to really learn. And most of us don't. We might understand the concept of loving unconditionally, but we don't really know how to do that. Yeah. And I think that's because most of us experience conditional love as we're yes. growing up. And it's really difficult to switch to that unconditional love. And I think this is part of the Easter story that I would think resonates through everything is just being able to give of yourself just for the sake of others. I mean, I'm not saying that you go out and be a people pleaser and never say no and all that stuff. But what I'm saying is knowing that that person that just hurt you, you can still find love for is an incredible, incredible gift. And I think that's one of the things that animals are masters at. Mm -hmm. Animals are masters at loving unconditionally. My understanding of loving unconditionally is you may not like the behaviors of a person, but the behaviors that they're displaying is the character or the ego that is coming out. It's not their true essence. Mm -hmm. So loving unconditionally is being able to love their true essence, but still not having to accept fully the behaviors that they're displaying. Yes. Yeah. Because you're loving yourself unconditionally too. Right. Now, some of you may have heard about finding your purpose in life. And I think there's different ideas on that. Yeah. Well, it's a big <laughs> trend right now. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? Everybody's wondering what the purpose is. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you might have the desire to do something, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's your purpose. I would consider that more your mission. Mission and purpose are completely different. How would you say it's different? A mission is a proactive thing. So if you're, or if you figured out that your quote unquote purpose is to serve people, that's really not a purpose. That's a mission because you're actively serving people. Mm -hmm. Like you're doing a job that you are called to do. Does that make sense? So like a purpose, you don't have to do anything for your purpose in a sense, because Obviously, there's ways to avoid living your purpose, but it's not an act of doing. So like mm. you can have a purpose, but have several different missions. Mm. That makes any sense. It can get a little complicated, but. So you would say that what we're doing with this podcast is our mission. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I believe that an animal's purpose is to just be who they naturally are. Mm -hmm. They are already the true essence of themselves. Yeah, I would agree. I would also say that that's our purpose as well, mm. to just be, mm -hmm. be the light that this planet needs. That's your purpose. And how you do that would be your mission. 
Hmm. So obviously animals don't really have a mission unless they're given a job. Then they might have a mission to go save these people on the mountain at the ski resort. But that doesn't take away from their purpose. Their purpose is hmm. to just be. Right. <laughs> Maybe a little philosophical <laughs> today. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of day. <laughs> it's a good topic, though, by the way. <laughs> it's a really good topic. It's breaking my brain really work. So hopefully it's making you guys' brain work as well. Because these are really important things. And again, our animals are our greatest teachers. Mm-hmm. So again, this time of year, Easter or even spring, can be a time of reflection. Look to see if you feel like you are doing something specific with your life. And if you are living in alignment. I like that. And how do you know if you're living in alignment? Well, notice if there's resistance coming up. If there's resistance coming up, you might want to take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, another thing that our animals are really good at is, well, again, it's the letting go. But in this case, it's letting go of outcomes, expectations, and attachments. Our animals don't really consciously plan for the future because they tend to live in the moment. They do have some things that they do, like, you know, a bird will go and find a place to build a nest that in that moment they think is a, is a good location so that they have a place to lay their eggs. So there is a little bit of planning to a certain extent, but it's kind of more like short term. Yeah. Cause they don't have any expectations because if something happens to that nest, they just find a better place to build a nest. Mm-hmm. They don't expect that place to be the safest place possible. They look at what it is and like, Oh, that might be pretty safe for the moment. And then they find out that it's not. And they don't sit there and whine over their destroyed nest. They just Mm -hmm. move on and build another one. Mm -hmm. So here's an example of what you might possibly be doing where you've got a level of expectation, a certain idea of what the outcome should be or an attachment is that if you are someone who entertains your family, friends, and your children during the Easter holidays, do you try to outdo what you did the year before? Yeah, that wouldn't be living in the moment. No. That's called one-upism. <laughs> Let me one-up what I did last year. Yeah. Then you get to a point where you can't one-up yourself anymore or you're going to spend millions of dollars. <laughs> or you get yourself so stressed out because you are putting so much pressure on yourself. Exactly. So, you know, if you're going to have any kind, you could have maybe an intention rather than an expectation. And ask yourself, okay, can I entertain my family, my friends, my children, or put on this activity or whatever, and intend that they're going to have fun, intend that they're going to enjoy the experience that they're having without having the expectation that that's going to happen. Because I think when you put an intention there, it's more likely going to just naturally occur. But there could be people in your family or of your friends who try to put that pressure on you of their expectation. And if you don't comply, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that they might judge you. But then, you know, you really need to ask yourself, it's like, why are they really coming over? Is it because they want to spend time with me and my family? Or is it for another reason? 
you might want to evaluate those relationships if that kind of stuff is coming up. Yeah. So the last one is empathy and compassion, which we've already touched on. It's a big one. (laughs) It's a big one. (laughs) And our animals are very, very empathic, meaning that they can tell when we are feeling stressed, when we're feeling sad, when we're feeling anxious. And I can't say for certain in every single case, but I think when there is a bond between you and your pets, they're going to try to support you. And how do they support you? Well, maybe they might take on the emotion that you are feeling. Maybe they will develop some kind of a health issue. Sometimes in some cases, they'll actually have behavior things that come up. So when you see your animals behaving in a way that you don't care for, it could be that they're reacting to something that's going on in you. Or they're trying to distract you. That could be that too. I mean, it kind of sounds a little bit different than what you would think, but if you're like spiraling or you're having a crazy time or or you're like in a depression mode or whatever and you're so involved and introspective with yourself for that moment whether it be good or bad your animal may do something to distract you because it feels that it would be better for you to be distracted than to wallow Mm. because their whole thing is to pattern interrupts that's what they are they basically are a pattern interrupt when you have to take care of an animal and when you you live with an animal, they tend to do things their own way. And so your life does not stay perfect. So if you think about that way, of course, some people would say that my life is perfect with an animal, but, you know, perfect as in like regular and consistent. Yeah, consistent and that stuff. That's not really that healthy. And so when we get into these modes where we are like upset or depressed or we sit and we wallow or we start to spiral the animal is going to be like okay well what better way than to just interrupt this and do something so they stop focusing over here and start focusing on me Mm. now that could also be selfish for the animal's part because you're not paying attention to your animal and they want attention but whatever that looks like it's good to have that pattern interrupt and i think that the animal maybe on an energetic level, maybe not a mental level, but I think they know that that's important because I would think that in the wild, a pattern interrupt would probably help them save their life or save their children's Mm -hmm. lives, their pups Mm -hmm. or their kits or something like that. So I think that might be something that we can explore maybe in, in, you know, in the whole arena of animals, you know, you can look (laughs) at your animal and see if he's got patterns or she's got patterns that might do that, but I don't know. It's a thought. I just wanted to say it because it Mm. could be, they're just trying to distract you from the wallow, from the spinning from, and that's their way of being compassionate. And I think a good example of that pattern interrupt, as well as the empathy and compassion is the dogs that have been trained for people with PTSD. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. That's a perfect example. So those dogs have the understanding of when the humans they're supporting are really, really struggling. Yeah. And it's not that they 
wouldn't necessarily have the awareness prior to the training, but the training helps them to focus on specific types of symptoms. Exactly. And you can find that with uh, service dogs too, for people who have epilepsy, like they notice yes. things. And so their pattern interrupt to get the, you know, I don't know how the process works, but to I warn think, them just prior to it happening yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Animals are wonderful teachers. Obviously they teach us a lot of stuff. As you have seen with the episode that we've had so far, they are incredible. And I think we need to give them more credit for the sentient being that they are and what they're here for and how, how they are serving you as their guardian. And like I said in the first half, there has been so many lessons that I have learned from my animals over the years. And it, I don't know if I'd be the same person if I wasn't aware enough to pay attention to them and to take on some of their traits. I don't know where I'd be. Now, granted, I've had animals my whole life, so I don't know what it would be like to not have them. But I, I mean, especially about my spirituality and the path that Miranda, you and I are on, mm -hmm. this wouldn't have ever happened if I did not learn lessons from my animals and how they think and how they move through their world and how they can support us in our world. It's probably one of the holiest relationships I've ever, to bring it back to the whole Easter story, it's one of the mm -hmm. holiest relationships I think a human being can ever have. And every aspect of this Easter story, you can find, whether you're religious or not, you can find the basic concepts of mm -hmm. those lessons and you can see that your animal already knows that. Yeah. And obviously Easter is not the only time that these lessons can be learned or applied or any of that. It can be at any time in your life. Yeah. And so we need to take care of them mm -hmm. and we're going to bring you some safety stuff because it's important. Now we're not going to go into incredible detail because if you really want to know, all you got to do is go back to any opponent's episode we've done over the last two years and you will, if you want to go deep to learn about keeping your animals safe during the mm -hmm. holidays. So we're going to go over a few just to kind of refresh your memory mm -hmm. on how we can keep our animals safe during Easter as well. <laughs> yeah. Not just learn from them, but <laughs> let's keep them safe so they can keep teaching us. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we always focus <laughs> on is the foods because at Easter time, we or any holiday time, actually, we usually end up having a lot of extra food around and different types of foods than what we might normally eat throughout the year. And there's a lot of human foods that are not safe for them. So there's a lot of variety of things that we need to keep them away from. So we don't want them to eat really fatty foods. We don't want them to eat things that have seasoning because even salt is not good for them. So stay away from any seasoning at all if you're going to give them any meat or something like that. There are certain types of vegetables and fruits that can be dangerous for them, like grapes, like onions. So you can go and explore that and find out which foods can be particularly harmful for them. Anything else you want to add to that? Well, yeah, the food's a big one, but we also have to realize that even though Easter activities are outside of like, say, egg hunts and stuff like that, outside of you know, some of the other holidays we have, like these Christmas and New Year's, these big giant celebrations. Easter's a little bit more quiet, but we still have to pay attention to if you are having family members over, you have to keep your animal in mind. You have to make sure that they're safe. They can't get out of the house and run. Yeah, they're not going to be 
you know, frightened by fireworks, but they still could get out with doors are left unattended. Cats can sneak out. They don't like having people in their house. Mm. Just keep your animals in mind. It's not just a human holiday in your household. It's, it's a holiday for your entire family, including your animals. And so you have to keep that in mind to keep them safe so they don't get stuck in places or they don't eat the things that they're not supposed to eat or they get treated poorly by family members or they don't get kicked outside or raced outside. Any mm-hmm. of the things that can happen when we have gatherings at our home. And also make sure that they have a place where they can go and get away from everything a place that's going to be comfortable and quiet. Yeah. That is not accessible by any other people who might be part of the gathering. Yeah. We have to remember that animals aren't used to having big gatherings unless you're like party people, which hopefully your animals have adapted or you've always kept your animals in mind. But most animals don't like a lot of people in their homes because that's their territory. And so that creates a lot of stress because they have too many things to keep an eye on. If you have kids coming in the house, they have to keep an eye on the kids. You have Mm -hmm. to look at the animals as protectors of their environment as well. So when things change, and we've talked about this many, many times over the the last couple of years, when environments change, that creates stress. When you bring people into your home, that creates stress. Many animals can adapt to it and it's not a big deal. Some animals have some struggles. So you have to make sure that the animal has a space to go to, like Miranda says, they feel comfortable in their home. They don't have to walk the perimeter to make sure everything's safe because it's their home and they will do what they need to do to protect their territory, whether they're a dog or a cat. So Mm. try to minimize the stress levels for your animals. So you have pet safe activities, pet safe foods, and low stress environments. That is probably the biggest thing you can do for your animals every single holiday Mm -hmm. slash gathering. So (laughs) birthday parties, anything like that. Yeah. I mean, we tend to focus on cats and dogs for the most part, but the safety aspect is also applicable to any pets that you have. So even if you've got a lizard, they can be stressed out if they are not in a location where they can be comfortable and have a quiet space. Yeah. Fish too. You have a fish tank. You can't be moving a fish to another room. So if you have a lot of family with a bunch of kids yes. tapping on the, on the tanks, you can get some stressed fish and then you have some sick fish. doesn't matter what kind of animal it is. So the last thing we want to suggest to you is, you know, there's a lot of people who like the idea of giving a bunny at Easter. They think that it's a great time to give a pet, but the problem with giving an animal at at holidays is that most of the time there's no forethought that's going into it. There isn't the consideration of, is this animal right for our family? Do we have the time, the commitment, the budget, and all of those things to properly care for this animal? Or are we just getting this animal because we think it's cute? Mm, Yeah. Don't give your four-year-old a bunny. Just don't. I mean, you shouldn't give animals at all without forethought. You must prepare for it. You must be knowledgeable about what this is going to mean for your family. Because there's a lot of bunnies that either die or get surrendered within a couple weeks of Easter. And bunnies are not as simple to look after as you might think. No, they're not. They're not rodents. They don't eat everything like a a hamster would. They're different. 
and they need care and they need attention Mm -hmm. and they need to be socialized. So with that, that was again, a lot of information for you, but I think in this time that we're in right now, I think it's really important to share this information and give people the opportunity at least to consider it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Our animals are our friends and we need to do what we can to number one, keep them safe. Like we just mentioned, again, if you want to go back and you want to do a deep dive, there's plenty of episodes in our past two seasons that give you all the information about pet safe activities and pet safe foods and, Mm -hmm. and things on stress because stress kind of weaves through everything we do, but the lessons that they can teach us are so incredibly important for Easter as well as throughout the rest of the year. Again, they have a purpose to just be. They have their empathy, their compassion, their ability to let go of outcomes and expectations. You know, they just have a way of just being in the moment. And there's so much that we Mm -hmm. can learn from them if we allow them to. And I promise you, if you allow your animals to be your greatest teachers, your relationship will be so strong. Mm -hmm. It will survive anything, including death. And I hate to leave it morbid, but you know, it is Easter. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, (laughs) but seriously, if you can use this time with your animal as a way to renew yourself, evolve yourself and, and grow from the lessons that they teach you again, it will last through anything Mm -hmm. and it'll make you a fuller rounder human as well as make the animal a fuller rounder animal. That's my final thought. Mm. If you decide to explore any of these concepts that we shared with you in this episode and you feel brave enough to share your experience with it, we would absolutely love to hear your story. It would remain private. You know, we wouldn't be talking about you to anybody, but if you would like to actually engage with us and share what your experience is either with this episode or any other of the other episodes you know we would love to have that connection with you and get to know where you are in your relationship with your pets in your relationship with life and we're easy to find yeah (laughs) and as you've noticed our focus is largely on pets but there's a lot of spirituality that we like to bring into it as well so you know, if we can support you, we'd love to do that. Yep. So just reach out to us. You can email us at the animal files podcast at gmail.com. And you can check out our website, which is the animal files podcast.com. And you can get links to all of our socials, including ways that you can support the show with donations and merchandise and even a Patreon. We're here. Find us and we'll help. So I guess that would mean that we are done. For this week. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you all enjoyed this and uh, come back next week. We will be talking about something else that's pretty important. As always, it's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) So go have a wonderful Easter with your animals and your family. Hopefully you'll be able to take some of these things that we've mentioned and use them and make your holiday super, super, super special. 
So have a great week, everyone, and we will see you next time. Bye for now. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.